Hey everybody, this is Omar Miranda with this week's What's Your Problem? Let me tell you something. Here's what my problem is. Um, my problem is I am absolutely tired of dealing with my own selfishness. Uh, you know, my daughter has been trying to get me to buy something called a selfie stick, and I don't want it. Number one, um, I don't like looking at myself in the mirror. Number two, I don't think y'all would like looking at me. I kind of look like if a bulldog and a human being kind of got together and had a child, that would be me. Um, I'm not a very nice person to look at. And uh, I know when I get to heaven, I'll be, uh, God will hopefully, you know, change the way I look and make me look uh, super awesome. But, you know, up until then, I just, uh, you know, I'm not interested in uh, in, 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 in taking a, a selfie. And, you know, there are lots of different, oh, goodness gracious, there's all sorts of different uh, things available, uh, you know, to take pictures uh, of ourselves. In fact, that's what I want to talk with you about today. I want to talk with you about selfies. Did you know, about two weeks ago in the United States, there was a woman um, who got mauled by a, like a cougar, I think, a cougar or a tiger. I want to say it was in Florida. Now, uh, and I wish I were making this up, but she actually um, stepped into, um, like, stepped over, like, a safety fence and stepped into the, closer to the tiger, and the tiger ended up, like, biting her and mauling her, and um, she got really, really upset and ended up, um, she ended up basically blaming the zoo and saying, you know, the zoo really should put things further away from, from the from the tigers and the cougars and somehow this was the Sue's fault. Um, but basically she was just trying to take a unique selfie and ended up getting bit. Um, that is not a very good reflection of herself. I guess maybe, I don't know, you know, different people do different things like that for different reasons. Some people would say that it's because people have low self-esteem. They feel like they have to be unique and try to get something like that to get a bunch of likes on, on social media. Some people, I guess, just want to take their lives in their own hands. And um, I guess some people just aren't thinking when they do stuff like that. But, you know, there is um, uh, an organization called the U.S. National Library of Medicine. Um, they did a study. And they found out that um, 259 people were killed between 2011 and 2017 um, trying to take selfies. Yes, I paused for dramatic effect for you to kind of look this up on Google. I'm not making this up. Uh, 2018 U.S. National Library of Medicine study recommended that, quote, no selfie zones should be introduced at dangerous spots to reduce deaths. I'm going to repeat that. This uh, was a national study. They recommended that, quote, no selfie zones should be introduced at dangerous spots to reduce deaths. And I'm quoting here from, from the study. These would include the tops of mountains, tall buildings and lakes, where many of the deaths occurred, drowning Transport accidents and falling were found to be the most common cause of death. This begs the sadly obvious question, why would people do this? Uh, again, 
The simple answer, sin. Selfishness. Pride. Self-centeredness. Really? Don't believe me? No, let me explain. Listen, I don't want you to send me any ugly emails. Uh, you know, if you want to send me an email, my email address is O-M-A-R-M-I-R-A-N-D-A at Comcast.net. Omar Miranda at Comcast.net. I'd love to hear your perspective on this issue. I'd love to hear your ideas for, for future uh, episodes, topics. Um, but listen, I'm not saying that everybody who takes a selfie is a sinner, okay? That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that this story, this article, this study is just one more manifestation of how our own sinful characteristics, the Bible identifies this as, quote-unquote, the flesh, self, S-E-L-F, spelled backward without the H, the flesh. That's how it shows up time and 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 time again. The Bible is basically one great big long story about how we have rebelled against God and how God has moved heaven and earth literally to save us. Now, you know, you might be interested to know that this is just another example of something that happened with the first humans. This, this really happened once before. Did you know that? The first two humans, a guy by the name of Adam, a lady by the name of Eve, struggled with the same issue of fallen, sinful humanity, and we have had problems with self, self, selfishness, self-centeredness, and sin ever since. Now, say that fast six times. God had made Adam and Eve, and planted, he planted a garden with his own hands. In the center of this garden, like, like a cosmic voting booth, he placed the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil smack dab in the middle of it. Long story short, Satan tempted Eve to answer God's character and question God's character and commit sin. This is all found in Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. Moses, the writer of Genesis, gives us this fascinating insight into why Eve decided to rebel against God's clear rule. She ultimately believed Satan and her own perspective on God, on his character, and ultimately our own sinful characters. This is listen listen to what uh, Moses writes about Eve. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Eve ate the fruit because it met her needs. She wasn't thinking or interested about anything or anybody else when she made that decision. But her sin ended up affecting somebody else, didn't it? It ended up affecting her husband who was with her. It ended up affecting her children. It ended up affecting you and me and your mama and your daddy and your brother and your sister and your uncle and your boyfriend and your girlfriend and your husband, and your wife, and the stranger who you're sitting beside, and the people who you know, people who you don't know, the people who are Christians, the people who aren't Christians, it affected the entire world. That's the way it is. It always is with sin. The consequences never happen in a vacuum. The moment people sin, we negatively affect relationships like giant, ginormous, cosmic dominoes 
one falling after another, after another, after another, after another. We affect relationships with God. We affect relationships with others. We affect relationships with ourselves. Some have said that all of humanity has an I problem. The letter smack in the middle of the word sin, S-I-N, is I. The letter smack in the middle of the word pride, P-R-I-D-E, is I. Get it? Ha-ha! I. Okay, moving on. John, the direct disciple of Jesus, clarified the same thing in the New Testament. I love the way John says this. You know, John called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. Can you imagine what the other people who he knew, what they were thinking when they read that? How dare he? Anyhow, that has nothing to do with anything. I just thought that was interesting. John, the direct disciple of Jesus, clarified the same thing in the New Testament. This is the way he put it. Quote, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Now, why is that important? It's important because every sin that we will commit will come from one of these three areas, a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, in other words, selfishness, right? And pride in our achievements and possessions. And God makes it clear as he's writing through John, these are not from the Father, but are from this world. And he could also he would also say that they're also from ourselves. You know, we're we're born with this inside of of us. I remember um, when my son was a was a teeny tiny little baby. Um, we were trying to get him to stop sucking on his pacifier, and um, he was cool as long as he had a pacifier in his mouth. But when we tried to take it out of his hands or out of his mouth. He, his eyes would get as big as saucers and he would kick his arms and legs and he would cry. And if he could have controlled his little arms and legs, he probably would have punched us. He wanted what he wanted when he wanted. You know what? That is a picture of our sinfulness. When, when, uh, you know, when, when we don't get what we want, we get really, really upset really quickly. So is there any hope for us? Well, yes, there's good news. And there's bad news. First, let me tell you the bad news. Then I want to tell you the good news. Actually, I'm not going to tell you. The Apostle Paul, he put it like this. The trouble is not with the law, the Ten Commandments, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, This shows that I agree that the law, or the Ten Commandments, is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. 
that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war in my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Romans 6, 14 through 23. Now listen, Paul uses that word slave uh, pretty clearly. And some of you may may be offended by this. But, uh, you know, if you're born a human being, you're a slave to sin. And if you And if you sin, then you're a slave to sin. God doesn't want that for you. If you're a Christian, you have another option. Now, Paul tells us, he diagnoses the problem. He says, hey, you know what? There are two warring factions within me. One is the Holy Spirit that wants to do the right thing. Another one is the flesh, uh, or just the way I was born, that wants to do the wrong thing, and they're constantly battling. If you are a Christian, you can plug into the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? By the way, let me be really, really clear. That is the only way that you are going to make any long-term, consistent, positive change in life. You cannot be better all by yourself, regardless of what the secular humanists say. You're not going to get better the older you get. Without Jesus, the older you get, the worse you get. Okay? That's pretty clear. All of us are sinners. The only way we're going to be saved is through Jesus. And more importantly, the only way that we're going to be saved is to plug into the power that we have and allowing Jesus to live his life through our lives. So Paul put it like this. Uh, Paul said that um, that if you're a Christian, then you're dead. And if you're dead, you can't really make your own decisions. There has to be some power inside of you that makes decisions for you, and that is Jesus. He says, I am crucified in Christ. Therefore, Christ, not me, Christ lives, not me. Uh, let me put it another way. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 25, Paul puts it like this. He says, uh, He says that we need to... Uh, walk by the Spirit. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, that we know humanity's natural bent towards selfishness and sin, and we know that if we're Jesus followers, we have the power to fight it, but how? How do we overcome that natural tendency? How do we overcome? Let, 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 me, let me tell you just a very clear and, and direct application to this passage of scripture. Um, I'm an emotional eater. When I get stressed out, I want to eat and I want to eat potato chips. I love potato chips. So guess what I do? The moment I eat a potato chip, you know what I do? Oh, that's so bad for me. I shouldn't eat this potato chip. Lord, please take this from me. I don't want to eat these potato chips anymore. But many times I find myself smack dab in the same situation. I don't have the power within me to stop eating those potato chips as much as I want. I have to ask the Holy Spirit to take that away from me. You might think this is a funny example. This is a struggle that I deal with. 
is a struggle that I deal with. And consequently, I'm trying to lose weight because I love potato chips. But potato chips aren't good for me. Are potato chips bad in themselves? No. Will eating potato chips send me to hell? No. But the point is, I struggle with this because I want one thing and God tells me to do something else. I have to listen to him. If I want to be healthy, if I want to lose weight, I've got to change what I'm doing. The only way that I could do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. You might think it's silly that I pray and ask God to give me strength uh, against potato chips. Hey, you know what? Your thing might be porn. Your thing might be drugs. Your thing might be alcohol. Your thing might be relationships. I don't know what it is. For me, it's potato chips. Oh, I love potato chips. The point is, God can help us. When my daughter was probably two, we used to play um, hide-and-go-seek. And we would play it at night. Um, <laughs> we would play it at night when my wife was gone because if my wife caught us playing at night in the dark, she would get mad um, because we would have all of the, you know, we'd be in the living room and we would open up the, the front door and the storm door was still closed. And so the light could, could shine in through the storm door. Um, and my daughter would be on one end of the room um, and I'd have a flashlight in my hand. She'd be on one end of the room and I'd be on the other. And I would say, Okay, you need to hide. I'm coming to look for you. I'm coming to look for you. And about five seconds into the game, she would say, Oh, Daddy, I'm scared. Hold my hand. Daddy, I'm scared. Hold my hand. I can't find you. I can't find you. And she was trying to get from one end of the room to the other. And so you know what I would do is I would go over there. And I knew where everything was, even even without the flashlight. Because I, you know, I put all the furniture there. So I would expertly maneuver you know, like a little Puerto Rican ninja, I would expertly maneuver all through all the different furniture and I would grab her hand. And then all of a sudden, man, when I grabbed her hand, she wasn't afraid of the dark anymore. She was perfectly fine because she knew as long as she was connected to me, she was safe. She could walk here and there and everywhere and get to the other side. And that's the way it is with this life. Listen, if we walk by and live by and keep in step with God's Holy Spirit, we not only will be justified, which is what Jesus gave us when we were first saved, we were justified. In other words, we were made perfect, but then we will be sanctified. And sanctified is we growing up into more maturity, into more holiness, into more perfection, just like God is. We have to do it by holding on to him. If we let go of him, we're going to fail. We have to stay connected to the power. So how do you stay connected to the power? Do you, do you read your Bible? Do you pray? Uh, do you, what, what do you do? I, I'd love to hear what you have to say. There are all sorts of wonderful things and ways to do that. Listen, um, I, um, uh, I, I did a program, I think two programs before, two or three programs prior talking about uh, reading through the Bible, how to read through the Bible in, through, in, in a year. There are all sorts of ways that you can connect with Jesus. Some people do it through an app. Some people uh, pray. Some people have you know stillness and silence and, and pick a, a, a verse of the Bible and think on it and meditate on it. However you do it, stay connected with Jesus. We constantly and purposefully have to be in the realization that to live and, and that in order to live our holy life, a holy life, we must invite God's Holy Spirit to live in our lives and, 
and to live in us and through us. And and listen, we we don't have any hope without Jesus. If we do this and do it constantly, we'll be able to win the war against our sinful, selfish, selfie-ish selves. We'll be able to win the war against ourselves. We'll be able to win the war against Satan. We'll be able to win the war against the world. Listen, just be careful when you take those selfies, okay? This is Omar Miranda with this week's What's Your Problem? And like my mama always says, love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He's always watching. Make good decisions. I love you. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.